Welcome to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with my awesome co-host Samar and myself. Um, Ahmed Badir, Samar Jarrah is here. On today's program, we're going to be speaking about um, Palestine and, and Iran and, you know, everything that's right and wrong in the Middle East. And um, also, hopefully, maybe if we have some time, we'll take some of your phone calls. This is True Talk on WMNF 88.5. Summer picked this song, which I'm about to play, so if you don't like it, you can blame her. But if you do like it, um, you can send her all types of praise. Um, we'll be right back. This is True Talk.
Back to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Summer. And Summer is with me in the studio. Summer, go ahead. Nice weather, Ahmed. I love this. It's beautiful. Uh, and I think it's going to be cold uh, on the weekend, Saturday. Why do you Sunday. like cold? Because we have hot <laughs> all year. All year long. When I moved to, the, uh, to Florida about 32 years ago i remember that there was a winter during the winter time i remember putting in the florida fireplace. yes of course the weather was different are you saying climate change changed <laughs> just in this short period for you you know whenever i try to formulate a sentence uh, oh. and 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 think intelligently what happens you jump in as yes. a typical uh, male who wants just to be it's not talking. a male thing oh, oh let me think Women interrupt women when they talk? I think they do. No, not when they are on the air. <laughs> you know, I was listening to the show on the other... Oh, they were not interrupting each other? No, they compliment each other. Okay, well, that's... People are not calling us because we compliment each other. They like this... Um, re, a better sense of reality. Go ahead. So, what, I'm sorry. You had, you had your winters and summers and so different weather. I have my husband at home... During uh, the night, and I have you during the day. <laughs> I need to have uh, less of you guys in my life. Well, there's only two. Do you have more than two? And then my brothers oh, your on brothers. Okay. the rest of Thursday. I'm going to stop coming to the station on Thursday. And don't forget Wednesday. your brother-in-law. 
Because your sister is also, she has a uh, husband. No, I'm talking uh, my concentration of male dominance between Wednesday and Thursday. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Just Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday is my husband. Okay. Uh Yeah. Uh, Like uh, the three hours of dinner that we, uh, I see him. And then Thursday morning, I have you. Thursday evening, I have my brothers. So, but they don't interrupt me. Maybe Ali interrupts me a little bit. I like Ali. Yeah, because he, <laughs> he hasn't been here for a long time to stop interrupting me. You know? <laughs> Anyways, um, God. So I was saying, uh, and especially when driving, listening to uh, the portion of democracy now talking about the weather in California, when I moved to the U.S., uh, 32, 32 years ago and one month, uh, there was weather, uh, there was cold weather. I would be wearing sweaters, the house would be cold. I would uh, put the fireplace, I would make soup every day. But now it's like during the day, it's quite warm. So the house gets warm from the sun. And then uh, at night, it gets cold, but I have to kind of open the window a little bit to make it cold. But today, anyways, not talking about the weather, we're going to uh, be talking to Dr. Stephen Zunis. I hope we will get him on uh, Zoom now. Uh, but he's a professor of politics and international studies at the University of San Francisco. He serves as coordinator of the program in Middle Eastern studies. I remember one time, Ahmed, I had him a couple of years ago. You were not here. And uh, some people got upset that I interviewed him because he had a different view of the issue of Sahara and Morocco. He considers Morocco invaded the Sahara. Some Moroccan friends and supporters got mad. And then I said, we have to listen to different views when it comes uh, to the uh, Arab world and especially issues in North Africa where maybe uh, whether Arab news or American news, they don't talk much about North Africa. So he's an expert in that region and he has different uh, views. <laughs> so some people got mad at me and I think they it's called It's a controversial you. issue. It's not like... Yeah, but you can't tell somebody like me who always uh, is against occupation and tell me, oh, the Kurds have no rights uh, for independence or the Kurds should not uh, have uh, some sort of um, a territory or, uh, for instance, the Igors. So everybody that wants to have a territory, Florida no, wants to have... No, if they have legitimate uh, political uh, claims to a land, if they are a nation, a people. Some people in Texas want to have their own territory That's and separate from America. Do they have the right to do that? No. Not everybody that wants no. to separate can... Yeah, but there are... Uh, when you have a Kurdish language, Kurdish uh, culture, Kurdish heritage... Uh, history and because in World War One, the British and the French decided to cut up and carve the Middle East according to their whims and desires doesn't mean it was legitimate. There was no uh, nation called Kurdistan before. It was just an area, right? Yeah, yeah you can say the same thing about Palestine then. Palestine? No, they can't. It's no, always no. existed. Uh, how? There was no government and the borders that are defined. I know there's a local government. I mean, wasn't there Greater like a... Syria. Like a governor of Palestine? Amda. Amda. Yeah, Not Amda, but like mayor <laughs> oh and city <laughs> government. 
I there, really want to explain. There were no nation the, states anywhere in the world, like you know. No, there were in the world, but not in the Arab world. When did the nation states start? Like we actually have borders for nation states. I mean, it's not the Westphalia Convention or meeting or whatever a treaty yeah, created what year was the that? nation states. Seventeen uh, something. Mm. But it started Maybe as, as right. No, but in the Arab world, it was most of it under the Ottoman Empire. So there were. Like, like there was no Lebanon and Syria in particular, it was but that more, was greater Syria. But there was Transjordan, there was Palestine, because each had their own uh, heritage and culture and food. And they also cuisine. had some autonomy. So And had autonomy. Of like course, example, in Palestine, they had Ahmed Hilmi Basha. Right. And then like in, in the, the Kurdish minister. area, they have their own, they exactly. govern themselves yeah. under the, you know. But not that. The rules of Istanbul. It was more like a federation where they kind of self-govern. Just like the Hijaz, just like Saudi Arabia, just like Bahrain and Qatar. They didn't see it as an occupation. The the Ottomans, no. I mean, no, the subjects. Mm. Like, were in Egypt, did Egyptians feel they were being occupied by the Ottomans? I don't. It so. wasn't in the sense of occupation, military occupation, because their presence was more civil uh, administration, pres- administration. But of course, they had taxes and they controlled water resources, but also they had their bad influences. Otherwise, the Egyptians and the Arabs, they sided with the British and what's his name? Um, Did the Egyptians side with the British against the Ottomans? No, the, uh, gosh, I forgot his name. The, Lawrence the of Arabia? Lawrence of Arabia. And that's, the, in, that's in the, the, the Arab uh, Saudi, revolt. the house of Saud, the Saudi family. That. And the Arab uh, revolt and they united and they told them if you rebel against the British, uh, and the French were going to give you independence. No, but if you rebel a, against uh, the Ottomans, the Ottomans, Sorry. and in a way, in a way, they fooled many people to get them, um, and ended up giving. A lot of people regret that 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 happened. Of course, um, but it doesn't mean that the Ottomans were one hundred percent clear of uh, abuse in that uh, region. Not, yeah, well, compared to what was happening in the rest of the world. Uh, that form of government seemed uh, much more humane than what was happening by was other part monarchs. Of the culture, you know, it was part of the same religion, so right. they were not there trying to impose a new language, like, for instance, what the French and the Italian did, trying to erase the it, local culture. Exactly, it, it wasn't force. like this European colonial no, rule that no. was happening throughout the world when you know, uh, British went to uh, an India and the subcontinents and no, different parts. No, no. It wasn't like when the British ruled Egypt. No, of course You not. know, so that type of occupation, unheard of and, you know, exploiting resources. So they were not, people were not revolting uh, against the Ottomans. They were there for centuries. They didn't have any revolts because they gave them autonomy, self-government. And, you know, they're part of, like you said, even though they were not the same language, but they shared the same uh, religion. But other religious minorities also thrived during that time, mm-hmm. uh, where the same was not necessarily the case for the uh, European colonial rule. But we're, uh, I guess, digressing from the topic. I sent uh, the link to uh, uh, our guest. Let me send him a message. I told him we're going to be calling towards... We have like three hours. Oh, here is it. Three hours? Yeah, uh, Oh, difference. He's asking Ahmed. 
So this is True Talk on WMF 88.5. Summer and I are talking. It started about the weather. We ended up with the Ottoman Empire. Um, and that's usually the way our conversations go, even off air. <laughs> um, do you hear somebody doing the vacuuming yeah. or something? Yeah, is that you? No, it's not me. Did you send it under Sean's name? Right. Um, and now we'll be starting uh, that. So, again... Um, maybe you can, before our guest starts talking, uh, can you queue up? Is he on? He will be on in a second. Oh, uh, let me queue this. Uh... Oh, wait. You have it with you. Okay, I'm going to play a quick um, a tape or a recording, um, and uh, we'll be right back with our uh, guest, Stephen Zunes. This is True Talk on WMNF. Hello, can you hear me? Good afternoon, everyone. It's my honor and my privilege to represent the people of the 8th Congressional District and to stand before you today to say Brooklyn stands with Israel. And not only Brooklyn stands with Israel, the New York Congressional Delegation stands with Israel. And not only the Congressional Delegation, but the House of Representatives stands with Israel. The United States of America will continue to stand with Israel. Now, I just want to make Three simple observations. First, Israel has a right to exist as a democratic Jewish state, and no one can ever take that away. <clears throat> the second simple point is this. Israel has a right to defend itself against aggression, particularly when that aggression is directed at its civilian population. And then lastly, perhaps my most important observation, Israel is here to stay and it will remain forever because of the resolve that you're showing and that we will continue to show and that Israel has shown throughout its history. Now we know Israel lives in a very tough neighborhood. The Muslim Brotherhood to the south Hezbollah. You're to listening the north, to uh, audio to the east, from uh, uh, Hakeem Jeffries, who is now the leader of the Democrats Hamas in the House. In Gaza, Israel lives in a tough neighborhood, and there's certain realities to that. We mourn the loss of civilian life on both sides of the conflict. But when you live in a tough neighborhood, Israel should not be made to apologize for its strength. You know why? Because the only thing that neighbors respect in a tough neighborhood is strength. And we've got to continue to deliver that message until the missiles stop flying and until the tunnels are destroyed. And no matter how difficult things may look, when you think about Israel's history, its resilience, the partnership and the friendship that our two countries have held together, I'm confident that Israel will prevail in the end because you faced, Israel faced aggression in 1948 and Israel prevailed. And then you faced 
aggression in 1967 and Israel prevailed. And then you faced aggression in 1973 and Israel prevailed. And then you had to deal with the first intifada and Israel prevailed. And yet Israel had to deal with the second intifada and Israel prevailed. And then missiles were flying in December of 2008 and Israel prevailed. And then missiles were flying in November of 2012 and Israel prevailed. And so I'm confident that when it's all said and done, we're going to stand together. Israel today, Israel tomorrow, Israel forever. God bless you. Welcome back to True Talk. This is your host, Samar Jarrah, Ahmed and I. We're just listening, and all of you, uh, to an excerpt of a speech given by the, the today Democratic leader, Hakeem uh, Jeffries. We're going to be discussing that uh, and much more with Dr. Stephen Zunis. He's a professor of politics and international studies at the University of San Francisco. He's the author of many interesting books. Uh, one of them is Western Sahara and the other is uh, Nonviolent Social Movements. Uh, good morning, Dr. Zunis. Zunis, sorry. Doctor? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. Um, I, I'm sure you have uh, listened to Hakeem uh, Jeffries' uh, views on uh, Israel, especially the, <laughs> the interesting thing that he said they were, it, it was attacked in 1948. Listeners might think, you know, there was a nation state called Israel and it was attacked and uh, something happened. But uh, really, it's disturbing to know that he is uh, the leader of the Democratic uh, Party in the Congress uh, now. Uh, and um, what happened to Democrats being more liberal, more open-minded, more um, when it comes to foreign policy, they seem to be in line with the Republicans. What do you think? Uh, yes, they're very much so. Uh, and this is ironically at a time when the polls show the, uh, a major shift in attitude among Democrats, particularly young Democrats whose votes are, are needed very badly in the elections because youth turnout tends to be lower than average uh, and is otherwise uh, strongly Democratic. Um, they, um, I mean, his, his speech that you excerpted there uh, was disturbing on a number of levels, not just the dis distortion of history, but uh, it was taking place in front of the United Nations, and they were protesting the United Nations for trying to work for a ceasefire uh, between Hamas and Israel. Um, the international community was outraged at the hundreds of civilian casualties um, Israel inflicted uh, upon uh, the, uh, uh, the crowded urban areas of Gaza Strip. They killed more children uh, than they did Hamas fighters. And you know, uh, 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 people uh, uh, all over the world, including those who could, some who consider themselves Zionists, including a, a, a number of Israelis, were saying, "No, this is this is excessive use of force. This is violating uh, international humanitarian law. Um, you know, the, these are war crimes going on." I mean, Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, as well as Israeli uh, uh, human rights groups like Beth Salem and, and Breaking the Silence. You know, there, there is a, a strong sense that, yes, of course, Israel, like any country, has a right to defend itself. But no country has a right to uh, uh, bomb schools and, and residential neighborhoods and, and the like. 
And, uh, and, and basically, uh, Jeffries was saying, oh, yeah, yes, that, that is okay. And we'll stand by Israel as it does so. So this, the implications go well beyond Israel here. It, it goes beyond what is his view about international humanitarian law. What is his view about uh, civilian casualties in war? What is his view about the United Nations? And he is very much uh, 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 allying himself with the Republican right here. For instance, in 1917, he actually sided with President Donald Trump. I think you wrote a very interesting piece in Truth Out, uh, where you mentioned that he sided with President Donald Trump in 2017. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yes, well, uh, at, the, there, at the end of December uh, 2016, uh, this is the, the final weeks of that uh, President uh, uh, Obama was in office. Uh, there was a vote at the United Nations Security Council that um, that uh, reiterated uh, from prior previous Security Council resolutions that uh, Israel's colonization of uh, of the West Bank of that's moving uh, civilian populations onto territory seized by military force was a violation of the Fourth Geneva Convention, and that uh, they they should stop uh, expanding these settlements. Uh, every single member of the Security Council voted in favor of the resolution, except for the United States, which abstained. But Hakeem Jeffries joined the Republicans and Donald Trump in condemning uh, President Obama for not vetoing it. And, uh, and basically, you know, saying the United Nations should not even weigh in on questions of international humanitarian law and territories under foreign belligerent occupation, which, of course, the United Nations has the right to do. I mean, the United Nations is there to... Uh, um, to, to, to address international disputes on the basis of international law. And Jeffrey says, no, no, it's not. We, we, we should, you know, uh, block the UN, uh, veto any such efforts by the United Nations to, uh, uh, uh to do so. And, uh, again, inciting with Trump against Obama and, uh, you know, siding with Republicans against, uh, uh, many of his fellow Democrats, he, 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 again, is demonstrating just how far to the right he is on such, you know, fundamental questions. Again, the implications of which go well beyond simply Israel and Palestine. So do we know, for instance, where he stands on the negotiations that were, uh, initiated by the Obama administration? Uh, do we know if he favors some sort of a resolution, a, a political diplomatic resolution to the conflict with Iran? Um, well, he, he did. He did uh, actually support uh, the Iran nuclear deal. Um, so it, it, it demonstrates that he's not simply doing the bidding of APAC. He's willing. The the, the right wing uh, uh, lobby uh, allied with the, the Israeli government. Um, so he's not just simply a, a tool of APAC or whatever. He he is willing to say no uh, uh, to APAC when uh, he uh, he disagrees with them. Um, and in certain way, but but apparently his his belief in in Israeli supremacy, and his support for the occupation and that kind of thing is is sincere. It, it, it's real. That that it's him talking. He, he's 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 nobody's puppet, and that's what's what's really concerning. That he really does, uh, you know, take these uh, positions that 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 uh, basically. Uh, oppose the right of self-determination and, and embrace the, the right of conquest. But Which is particularly ironic when we're taking such a strong stand against Russia and aggression in yeah. Ukraine, saying, hey, you can't expand your territories by force. No country can unilaterally change its international boundaries. And, and, and Jeffrey saying, well, True in the case of Russia, but in the case of the U.S. ally like Israel, it's okay. I mean, he has sponsored a, a, a number of, of, of bills 
that have made no distinction between Israel and the occupied territories. Mm -hmm. That is to say, you know, if you oppose Israeli settlements, you oppose Israel. If you want to put, if you support even a, a limited uh, BDS, that if you say, oh, I oppose sanctions against Israel, but I'm going to boycott Caterpillar Tractor or Motorola or Hewlett Packard because of their operations in Israeli settlements or their support of the Israeli occupation. There's no no distinction in in his his view. You are anti-Israel. You're doing it because you have an ideological bias against Israel, and and you know he 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 will attack. I mean, basically, even though he says he supports a two-state solution. He, he, he does not believe that U.S. aid to Israel should be conditional to pressure them. He does not believe the United Nations should be involved. He doesn't think the Palestine Authority should seek recognition from other countries. He opposes non, not just armed resistance to the Israeli occupation, but nonviolent means like the BDS campaign. In other words, he is doing everything he he says the only way we can go to a two-state solution is through uh, bilateral negotiations between the two parties, Israel and the Palestine Authority, and ignoring the fact not just the gross asymmetry in power between the occupier and those under occupation, but the fact that the Israeli government has explicitly ruled out under any circumstances an independent Palestinian state. So, so in, a, in effect, he is indeed pro-occupation, pro-annexation, uh, because he, you know, he, he's, he, he's, he's made a career of denying the Palestinians any uh, means of uh, reversing that and, 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 and opposes the United States or the international community doing anything to uh, bring about a two-state solution. You mentioned something quite interesting that uh, the younger generation, uh, whether am among American Jews or Democrats, uh, and we look at the example of Bernie Sanders and uh, others, why would the uh, Democratic Party um, insist on having him uh, rather than somebody a little bit uh, in the middle? <laughs> like he seems to be so extreme. I know it's only about Israel, but Israel is is a very important issue for these younger generations of American Jews and Democratic uh, Americans. Uh, they care about uh, Palestine as much as they care about Israel. So why would they pick such a personality who is so much to the right? It is, does seem to be an odd choice. I mean, uh, that, uh, you know, over well over 70% of uh, registered Democrats believe uh, U.S., Aid to Israel should be conditional on human rights, international law. You know, Jeffries categorically uh, rejects that. Among younger voters, it's closer to 90%. I mean, it's, it's amazing that the, there's a huge, uh, that, that uh, young, uh, young Amer I, I, except for perhaps LGBTQ issues, I know no issue where age and political attitude parallels is so precisely as the, the issue of Israel and Palestine is a big issue on college campuses um, where, where there are divestment campaigns and the like that, um, you know, it is, does seem to be a big mistake to, to alienate younger voters by bringing in somebody so right wing. It'd be like bringing in somebody who supported uh, the, uh, the, the Salvadoran junta and the Nicaraguan Contras back in the 80s or who supported the Vietnam War in the 60s. I mean, you are, for the Democrats, bringing in someone who's so hawkish uh, to a leadership position uh, is very alienating. Um, I think the main reason, frankly, is that they don't, they, they think people aren't going to notice. 
Indeed, uh, since my article came out a few days ago, I've been getting emails from friends and colleagues who said, whoa, I had no idea about this. <laughs> this is this is news to me. I mean, Hakeem Jeffries seemed like a great guy. He gave an amazing speech the other day. You know, he he's... Um, um, uh, you, know, you know, he's been getting very, very good, good um, uh, uh, press, including in, in, in many uh, liberal publications. And so uh, I think a lot of it is that people just don't realize how bad he is. Also, I think the fact that uh, people are with all the problems we're dealing with at home and environmental issues, threats to our democracy here in the United States and the like, that uh, that, that they, they suppose that people really won't pay attention to foreign policy issues. Um but also, I, I think there is a, and, and, and also the idea that, you know, when I when I originally posted some concerns about Jeffries, it was like, well, who do you prefer, Kevin McCarthy, uh, Matt Gates? I mean, there's this idea because of the thrill threats from Republicans, there are a lot of people saying, don't criticize any Democrat, you know, for any reason whatsoever, <laughs> and just to stay in line. And, uh, and you know, and, and I think that uh, that attitude, I think they're hoping will lead people to keep quiet, but we, we, we can't keep quiet on, on this. And, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for voting for Democrats uh, as a lesser evil in, 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 in close districts. I realize the, 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 the very real threat from the Republican Party, but that doesn't mean we should be silent while, the, the, as Democrats, when we see our, our uh, you know, leadership uh, taking positions that are so far to the right, so dangerous, and so out of sync with the uh, Democratic Party's rank and file. If you're if you're just joining us, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Summer. We're speaking to Stephen Zunis, uh, Professor Stephen Zunis from the University of San Francisco, uh, California. And we're talking about Hakeem Jeffries, who um, has made history as the first black uh, person person of color to lead a uh, major political party in the United States, the Democrats, and would be in line to become speaker if the Democrats take the House back, actually um, became a speaker in record time. It was just 10 years ago that he was inaugurated into the uh, Congress, and now he's the speaker. I'm not sure if anyone rose in the or, ranks. Or te fast. Technically, he's he's Democratic. Uh, he's House Minority Leader. Uh, okay. Speaker, not uh, not speaker, meaning party. becoming House Minority Leader or leader of a party in a record amount of time. Ten years, um, you know, uh, is really quick. Uh, a lot has made about you know being the first black man and the diversity. The problem, do you think that it's going to be the same kind of situation as when Obama was in, uh, was president and people, uh, Democrats and progressives were hesitant to attack him and criticize him because of the fact that he was the first black president, uh, despite the fact that he didn't really help uh, so much when it came to Israel or other issues mm -hmm. and disappointed many Democrats, but people kind of, and, and the media did not attack him uh, the same way or hold him accountable because of this historic, you know, uh, first. I'm, I'm, there may be a piece there. I think the pro bigger problem actually is the fact that uh, the, the, um, there's so much that, uh, and, and this, uh, the racism in the Republican Party is such that people will feel a particular need to uh, defend a black leader. Mm. I, 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 I mean, I think there was not such a racism coming from the right. You know, people would be, you know, more willing uh, to 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 raise criticism. You know, the racism against Obama was 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 pretty clear. Right. For that matter, the sexism against Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi uh, was 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 pretty extreme. Now, again, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have been criticized. There was a major. Of uh, of uh, 
of Hillary Clinton, and and I I, I teach in uh, Nancy Pelosi's district, so I've been certainly willing to criticize her as well. But I think the fact that you that that uh, there is so much uh, a sexism, so many unfair attacks uh, against uh, uh, and 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 pseudo scandals and things pointed out by the by, brought up by the Republicans and. Um, and so both the racism and sexism there, I think, does make some Democrats a little more defensive uh, than they should be. So it's less a matter of, of, of uh, going easy because he's black, but it's more a matter of, uh, you know, the defensiveness and concern about the racism uh, because he's black. Rightfully so. I mean, you know, you can't ignore the the level of racism that's coming from the right. Um, is what... Why does... I mean, following or researching Hakeem Jeffries, why does he hold such very partisan right-wing views when it comes to Israel. And, I mean, is he, is this because of his faith? Is it because the people that are in his district? You know, how far back does this go that, you know, he's a, you know, such a strong, uh, you know, proponent of, uh, and so hawkish when it comes to Israel. Even in his speech, he was talking about, you know, that, Peace through strength. This is very much right wing. Uh, this is like uh, George Bush talking points. Um, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, very, very much so. it sounds like Netanyahu when he's saying, you know, like in this uh, rally, how, like, why does he feel so strongly about that? When did this happen? Has it always been this way? Yeah, I don't know much about his personal biography in this regard. I mean, he's at least since he got elected to Congress, he's been he's been uh, taking these hawkish positions. I mean, with people of an older generation, uh, 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 older white politicians like uh, you know Joe Biden and um, Nancy Pelosi, I mean, I think they're part of that you know post World War II generation of liberals who kind of idealized Israel back in the heyday of labor Zionism. You know the the, the plucky kibbutzniks. You know the uh, you know the the, the the immediate aftermath of the Holocaust as a, as a refuge for Jews. I mean, I think there's a strong, it's kind of a, a, a sentimental, almost romantic view of Israel that's so common uh, in 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 the liberal American culture. You know, in the in the fifties and 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 sixties and 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 uh, well into the seventies. I mean, I grew up in that culture. Uh, it's so you know it, it's um. That I can understand, I can understand where people kind of get stuck in this kind of idealistic Paul Newman and Exodus kind of, of, of view of things. But King Jeffrey, he's, he's younger generation. He's black. I mean, he has an Arabic name, even you know. It's uh, so it, it's very. It, it's hard to. Oh, so did um, Obama. It's interesting that yeah, the first yeah, two yeah. firsts both had Arabic names. Yeah. One is Hussein, uh, the other one is Hakim. Yeah, yeah, and. Um, so it, it's hard. It's hard to know. I mean, I think perhaps you know the the the, the culture of the uh, New York City Democratic Party has always been very right wing when it comes to Israel, and he he came up within uh, the the Democratic Party, and uh, so may that may have rubbed off on him to some to some degree. I, I'm really not sure, but I think that the fact that he uh, and 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 maybe there is there is a there 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 is a something to do with his 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 uh, political district, but I think what's important. Uh, is that he now, now that he represents all Democrats, he's going to have to listen to all Democrats, and uh, this is where we can can really really pressure him. I mean, I think part of it also, I think, is is uh, the the uh, again to go beyond Israel. How much of this is part of a larger uh, uh, agenda? I mean, for example, the anti boycott act that he sponsored you know, in regard to um, BDS. You know, would have made, it would have been a crime to support or even furnish information about. 
a boycott directed at Israel, the Israeli occupation, supported by any entity of the United Nations, the European Union, or any other intergovernmental organizations. And the penalties were draconian. It fines up to a million dollars, up to 20 years imprisonment. Uh, the American Civil Liberties Union and others came out against it. The Obama administration came out against it, and, and the bill uh, never passed. But it was really pretty, pretty scary. Uh, that uh, because you know the implications of punishing people simply for supporting a boycott. I mean that you, know, you go back to um, you know everything you know from the United Farm Workers to uh, the Montgomery bus boycott to to other boycotts, so that he would actually want to criminalize a, a, a boycott. And again, this is not just boycotting Israel. This is boycotting Israeli settlements. Uh, this would make group, you know, the Congregationalist Church and the, and, and the Presbyterian Church and, and other, other denominations which have uh, divested from companies that are supporting the occupation. I mean, groups like that would be targeted by this kind of legislation. And, and I so think, uh, sorry, uh, doctor, but I just wanted to mention that you write in your article that the penalties were the drug for instance, one million dollars uh, pen, uh, penalty plus twenty years imprisonment for something that African Americans did when they boycotted buses and when they boycotted the uh, companies in the sixties. I mean, there is a disconnect between his background as an African American, who uh, whose whose people, maybe not him, not his parents, suffered from discrimination and apartheid system. And he is willing, as somebody with a, uh, a legal background, to imprison for exercising his or her uh, decision to boycott uh, a company? Isn't that like, yeah, too it, much? Yeah, it is really. I mean, this bill was specifically about Israel and the occupied territories. But again, the implications, you know, indeed go very much uh, beyond that. And the thing is, again, I want to emphasize that, yes, people say, well, you know, virtually every Democrat is, is, is pro-Israel. Uh, and, 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 I, and, and, and that, that's true. But if the, the gr a growing number of Democrats tend to ally with moderate Zionist groups like J Street, which opposed this anti-boycott law, um, and largely because, even though they oppose BDS overall, because the, 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 it failed to distinguish between uh, Israel and the uh, illegal settlements in the occupation, which J Street opposes. Um, Jeffries you know, has allied with, with right-wing Zionist groups like, like APAC and, 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 and who, 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 um, who, who support the right-wing government, who try to attack and discredit the United Nations and, and, and reputable human rights groups. Again, Democrats tend to like the United Nations. Democrats tend to like uh, human rights organizations like Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch. Jeffries has attacked these 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 or, uh, organizations, um, and I mean, he, he there, there there's there's a recent Amnesty International report that made a very convincing, which echoed what Human Rights Watch and Beth Salem and others had that taken in total, uh, the discriminatory laws and treatment of Palestinians does by the Israeli government does meet the international legal definition of apartheid. Um, but Jeffries dismissed conclusions as demonstrably false and dangerous and claimed that the, 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 the reports were based not on evidence, 
but simply designed to isolate Israel. Now, you know, Amnesty and Human Rights Watch have gotten attacked all the time for being biased against Syria for, for uh, documenting war crimes there, being biased against Saudi Arabia for documenting their war crimes. And now here's Jeffrey saying, oh, they're, 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 they're biased against Israel for documenting Israeli war crimes. Well, Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch, they document war crimes wherever they happen. They do not have an ideological bias against Israel or Syria or Saudi Arabia or anything else. But he's trying to discredit these organizations because they threaten uh, the, the, the arms industry and others who profit from sending the uh, 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 U.S. weapons to uh, Israel and other human rights abusers. He basically you know, want, wants to undermine uh, the, these important uh, human rights mm -hmm. efforts. Uh, as part of his 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 ideological agenda to encourage greater militarism uh, and 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 uh, U.S. hegemony in the Middle East. If you're just joining us, this is True Talk on WMNF 88.5 FM. Ahmed Bider and myself, Samar Jarrah, are talking to Stephen Zunis, professor of politics and international studies at the University of San Francisco in uh, California. He serves as coordinator of the program in Middle East Studies and the author of uh, many books, one of them as Western Sahara. And I was mentioning Dr. Zunis when like many years ago, we spoke about it. So many people who are from Morocco got very upset. So one day maybe we will uh, uh, do an hour on the uh, issue of Western Sahara. But uh, I'm really curious to know how will uh, Hakim Jeffries, the Democratic Party, deal with the incoming uh, Israeli uh, right-wing government. Uh, and like, I, I know it's not only um, the, the Congress that deals with this issue, but the White House and Biden and all that. But like, I am dreading uh, the type of uh, coordination of friendship that is going to happen between the new wing uh, government in Israel and people like Jeffries. Do you have any idea about uh, this or thinking where this might be going? Uh, and, and unfortunately, I do not see a, a shift in Jeffrey's position or the position of the Biden administration, uh, regardless of the ascension of this uh, far right uh, uh, group into power. I mean, on one hand, uh, I, I mean, you know, there are, there are people, um, including Palestinians, who say, "Well, how can things get worse?" Even among, even even under so-called moderate governments, you know, the oppression and the uh, colonization and the taking of land and and um, imprisoning of, of, of children and you know uh, all these kind of things were, were going on anyway um but yeah it can get worse <laughs> it probably will get worse uh because you know, these these people are, are even more validly uh racist uh and extreme in their positions and they are take, putting these far-right figures into positions that uh, that will have impact over the lives of, of palestinians not just in the occupied territories but uh, within israel's internationally uh, recognized borders how would hakeem jeffries respond i mean it, it it probably like the biden administration there may be occasional finger wagging or expressions of concern uh, but the israelis will know that the um Aid will the U.S. aid will continue uh, unabated. That the United States will continue to block the United Nations from enforcing any of its resolutions, uh, and uh, that that uh, Israel knows they can get away with with pretty much whatever they want, no matter how extreme. Uh, where what does change as a result of this far right uh, government? As I think it makes it easier for those of us 
who uh, support human rights uh, in, in the region, who oppose uh, the uh, the occupation. Um, I think it, it gives us a stronger uh, position in many respects uh, and the challenge, you know, people like Jeffries and Biden, uh, that uh, they cannot hide behind this idea of, oh, you know, uh, Israel is this great progressive democracy and whatever, uh, when they have, you know, such explicitly autocratic uh, you know, people uh, in charge and such avowedly racist, you know, people in charge. People people so, uh, who are, uh, were actually arrested because of their support for terrorism in Israel, they were even too extreme for the Israeli government and even, you know, like uh, this minister that was uh, banned. Uh, yeah, um, what was his name? Ben Rafir. Ben Rafir, that was not even allowed to join the Israeli military because of his extreme views. Um, I just wanted to, uh, to remind our listeners, we're speaking to... Professor Stephen Zunas from um, San Francisco, the University of San Francisco. And uh, we have a couple of emails that I wanted to read. One of them is from um, Robert Neff, who says, um, well, <laughs> based on what he's heard so far, uh, that has changed his opinion. He says, well, that changed my opinion of Hakeem Jeffries. And he says that he uh, loves our show. It's his favorite for the past 12 years on WMNF. Uh, but it kind of under... It, it, it underscores what you've also received because of your article that people did not know or don't know or didn't think that Hakeem Jeffries held the, uh, these views and are actually really surprised by it and it's changing. And then another uh, person uh, that emailed us is um, says, good morning, thank you for your show. I listen uh, and learn every single time. You help me understand uh, what is happening. I'm so grateful that there's a voice for these things. Uh, on our wonderful community radio station at WMNF. And um, we actually have a caller, Sister Kelly, that I want to maybe take if you have time, Professor Stevens. Sure thing. Hold on. Kelly, Sister Kelly, go ahead. Oh, wait. Sorry. Kelly? Hi. Go I'm ahead. And I hope many more people will write about him because I'm a South American Caribbean old lady and I I can't see how he can align himself with Netanyahu which is a bogus bogus leader in Israel and he uses the religious uh this uh, this course for gaining a lot of evangel evangelical followers. They all want to go to Israel. All the evangelicals, they, it's been a trend. But these things need to be exposed because if Jeffries is of that mentality, it's scary. But I tell you, he lost a lot of votes because... I do not know internet. I do not know smartphone, but thank God I have a voice and I have a great community here in East Tampa and I will spread the word around of his abuse of, 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 of be, being such a undercover for uh, support of Netanyahu. Thank you. So very much for the program, guys. Blessing. 
Thank you. Thank you. And again, it's important, I think, to emphasize that this is not just about him being pro-Israel or not just about him being pro-Zionist. Uh, again, the, you could say that about almost every member of, of Congress. The problem with Jeffries is that he is on the far, on far right politically. That many Zionists, in fact, polls polls are correct. Most uh, American Jews, you know, find you know would find Jeffries, you know, um, too far to the right for their liking. And so, uh, but 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 uh, again, people need need to know this and to 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 see. And this is not just the problem is not just in being pro-Israel per se, but again, in, endorsing some of the most right-wing kind of aspects, including the occupation and settlements. Uh, undermining human rights groups in the United Nations, um, you know, supporting the the, the arms industry, uh, trying to suppress boycotts and other legitimate uh, nonviolent uh, forms of dissent. I mean, the, again, the implications of his views are are are, are, are quite disturbing and go uh, well beyond simply uh, Israel and Palestine. He, he even appears to be to the right of uh, Nancy Pelosi on this issue, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, especially in rhetoric, on- and even uh, to the right of Biden. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, and 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 again, I've critiqued both Biden and Pelosi on their hawkish views on this subject, but uh, Jeffries goes beyond even them. How is he going to deal more, or line with the Republicans? How is he going to deal, or how is his relationship relationship going to be with the pro, the growing progressive wing of the Democratic Party, Ilhan Omar, Rashida, uh, you know, the Squad, uh, AOC, and others that have been very vocal when it comes to Israel, but I did notice they actually uh, got behind him as far as being speaker. So how is that going to, are they going to be able to impact him? Is he going to, you know, shut them up or keep them refrained, uh, restrained, I mean? Unlike unlike uh, uh, Republican uh, anti-establishment dissident Republicans, the anti-establishment d- the disciplined uh, uh, Democrats are much more willing to you know work with their leadership and and not be bomb throwers and disrupt things you know like we like the the mess we saw in, in Capitol Hill among the Republicans last week. That's just more their style. But I do think they are concerned about uh, uh, Jeffrey's uh, p- positions here. I think they will be challenging them. The question is, how will Jeffrey's respond? Will he deny? Um, some of these uh, 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 critics up, uh, 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 seats on the House uh, Foreign uh, Relations Committee. I mean, the the um, this is where you know issues around Israel and Palestine come up. Middle East Subcommittee. These have traditionally been dominated by you know by hawks allied with the likes of Netanyahu, and increasingly we have been able to get some dissident voices on that uh, that committee. Um, you know, you know that, uh, like, uh, but you know, some of them have, have retired. Karen Bass, for example, is now now the mayor of uh, Los Angeles. But um, whether you know he will allow uh, these distance on these committees, I think that's going to be a very interesting um, uh, fight in the future. We should keep an eye on. I uh, I want to thank you, uh, Professor Stephen Zunas, for being on True Talk. And as I promised, maybe I'll uh, read the book Western Sahara and have you talk about it in a couple. Of uh, weeks. That's the other occupation that people don't know about as much. With the U.S. is always also behind. Exactly, and then I think uh, the diplomatic uh, rapprochement between Morocco and Israel has to do with uh, admitting the uh, Moroccan invasion of Western Sahara and colonization. Yeah. I think. Thank you so much, Professor Stephen Zunas, for being on True Talk. I really appreciate that you took the time to be with us. My pleasure. Well, Ahmed, we got several interesting emails telling us uh, that... uh, By the way, on that point about the Western Sahara, I think there's also the other perspective from the Moroccan side, which 
if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, then we need to have of course the Moroccan you know perspective also uh, on the air because it cannot just be one sided. Yeah, I know Amini always uh, gets mad. It's not Amini. I think his name is Amin. So why there is an E? Just, they just spell it that way. Okay. His name is okay. Amin. Okay, Amin, inshallah, we'll get a Moroccan expert on that day. Yeah. Okay, uh, we're out of time. WMNF Tampa, uh, 